Welcome to a self-published author's diary. I am Elodie Novodatsky. I write about first time, second chances, things that scare the crap out of me and things that make me laugh out loud. I'll be speaking with you and sharing my adventures in self-publishing, the behind the scenes of writing and the business side of it. And before we get started today, a small message from our sponsor, Anchor. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon. So this is my voice as I realized that I deleted part of the episode that I had already recorded on Monday, September 6th. I thought I was cleaning up my Anchor dashboard thinking like, oh, it's good. I'm going to, but no. No, Elodie, no, you didn't. <laughs> I deleted, yeah, I was talking to myself in the second person, but I deleted um, 10 minutes of an episode that I recorded on Monday where I was explaining what I was going to be doing during my week, which included incorporating the feedback of my copy editor and then rereading the entire novel on my Kindle, making notes for things that I might still catch because there are still a few things that, You know, even after the copy editor, I need to make sure not only flows, but like sometimes maybe I used the wrong name or I changed the name and I did not realize I had one. And, and sometimes the copy editor doesn't catch everything. And so I did that. So I incorporated the feedback, which was no plot holes or anything, which was great. My copy editor loved my book, which is wonderful. <laughs> It's great to hear when you get that feedback. And then I reread it. And I gave myself quite a few notes. So I realized that there were certain things that my copy editor did not catch, which again happens. It was little things like Ryan at some point saves a little girl from drowning. And in one of the versions, which was the version right before the one that I sent to my copy editor, it was a little girl and her mother. And I changed it to only the little girl. And there were two or three times in the, or two times in the manuscript where I actually switched back. So instead of saying the little girl, I said the mother. And so this is something that I, I had to, to make sure was consistent throughout the book. And when I reread it on my Kindle, this is when I noticed that there were a couple of instances where I had not been um, consistent with that. So I changed that back. Other little things were one time I called one character Bria instead of Imani, which was um, Imani is a journalist and Bria is a PR specialist of Ryan's team in Washington. And so I, one time I, I called her the wrong name because he was just talking to Priya before. And then I just kept it. And then the agent of, <laughs> the agent of Ryan is called Tom and not Tim. And because Tim was too close to team, <laughs> I didn't like that. So I changed it to Tom. And there was one time, usually I do like 
control like I find all the instances and then I changed it and for that I did not do it for that particular change of name I, I had not done it so and there was one time that my copy editor um, did not catch that particular thing and the rest of it is pretty much just me rereading and thinking like oh is there one word missing there which there were not a lot because again I had my book copy edited, but I had to do the final proofreading, of course. And then there was one one scene where that involves a vibrator <laughs> um, that I needed to expand. So I did that. <laughs> I expanded that scene. So that was that was an interesting scene to expand. And after that, I also emphasized one or two additional sentences that when I was reading them, I was kind of like, okay, this one, this tool I used too many times. Like, you know how when you say some, something, when you use a list of three, it, it like is more powerful. Well, in writing. So you could say like, for example, the dog is sleeping next to me. He's dreaming about chasing a rabbit. He's dreaming about sniffing the cat he's dreaming about his food those three things have a tendency to be a punch words or like to make something punch in the manuscript but if you use too many of them then it's not as powerful and I had one that I did not think as that I could take it away so I did I rearranged that there were a few things that I needed to it took me it took me about two days to go through well it took me a day and a half to read really a day to read the entire manuscript and making notes in my kindle and then I just spent a day and a half basically going through all my notes and either making sure that they work either making sure that they are strong enough doing that last proofreading so again like there was one or two sentences that were missing a word. So I rearranged that. And then um, those some instances where I needed to be more consistent. Um, so yeah, I did not sleep good at all last night. So I'm actually very tired. I was, um, I got up at 4.30 a.m. And like I woke up and I, impossible to get back to bed. Something beat me. I don't know what. I don't like it. <laughs> And um, so what I meant to say with that, where I was going with it, is that I had wanted to finish everything today. I had wanted to wrap it up with a bow, send it to my beta, not my beta, to my reviewers, because I have a few readers who asked for early copies. So I wanted to do that today. The formatting is almost done. I wrote my acknowledgements. I wrote my dedication. And actually, because I'm pretty excited about it, let me read to you my dedication. The dedication for this book is the spark for this story came at a time that I wanted to write something that made me smile. So this book is for everyone who needs a smile. And to my husband, maybe one day at our inn we don't yet have, someone will say, oh, you're that addicts. <laughs> Maybe I'll tell you the story about why why there is that dedication to my husband. At a later stage, the dog is snoring next to me. 
But all that to say that since I did not sleep well and I'm pretty tired, I don't want to, and I've worked already all day. I mean, it's 5, 10 p.m. now. I started working actually at like 5.30, then I took a break, like 5.30 a.m. Then I took a break and I started working again around 8 a.m. And then just took a break for lunch and I had like a hot chocolate after that. <laughs> but I am too tired to see straight and I highlighted a few like a few paragraphs in the book, three of them, that I slightly amended with this final proofreading and I want to make sure that they are completely, like that they're, they're as good as they can be. And the only way I can do that is by rereading them but I can't reread them right now because right now it's not going to, I might miss something. It's not, it's not going to work. So I'm going to have to postpone that until tomorrow morning and that's okay. I'm telling myself that's okay because I still have a couple of days to put it on, on KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, have a couple of days to put it on draft digital and I can send it to my readers tomorrow that's fine. They didn't know they were going to get it today. So it's not like I have to tell them that it's now late. So it's it's fine. <laughs> so good. And then I have to work on the paperback, which that should not take me too long. That should, that should, I should be able to work on that tomorrow afternoon. And once that's there, once everything is there, then it's back to preparing the ads for next week and maybe being more active now that I have time I also want to catch up like I have friends to catch up with I have emails to get back to I have text messages to get back to I have <laughs> things to do I, I wanted to send <laughs> I want to send postcards um, postcards, which I have not sent yet. I have still some emails that, um, from a couple of weeks ago to get back to. So it's, uh, I, I need to now rearrange my schedule. So I do not only eat, breathe and sleep my book. And it's going to take me a few days to adjust. I know that because that's usually the way it works. But, um, if I manage, if I organize myself, if I do a to-do list, if I, I can then rearrange my schedule so that I can do promo. I can start plotting my next book, but that I'll give myself a couple of days. And um, I'm actually going to be working on two books for next year. Because another thing that I've done on The Leftover Bride is at the end of The Leftover Bride, I have my list of books, which is something I have in all my books. Of course, it's the back matter. But I have right now like Swan School series standalone. So I have The Leftover Bride. Then I have Baking for Love, which is Aisling's story coming 2022. Then I have The Runaway Groom coming 2023. Love or Lost coming 2023. Sophie and Liam's story, I don't have a title yet, coming 2024. And I have Miss Me, Miss Me Not, Nadia and Gabrielle, Gabrielle's story, Ga Gabe. He's going by Gabe. Um, story coming 2022. I have two books that I'm planning for next year. Two full-length novels. 
I'm planning Baking for Love, which is Aisling's story, which I'm planning to release um, beginning of summer. That's my goal for that. And then I have Miss Me, Miss Me Not, which I'm planning to release in the fall of 2022. And depending on how that goes, that's what I might do. I mean, I might start to try. I would like to draft faster. And I mean, those are the two novels that I will publish under my name. And this will the two books that I'm definitely publishing. But I'm also, I have like short stories that I have started working on, um, more paranormal romance short stories that I worked on at the beginning of the year. And I have about, I think, two short stories that are actually could turn into short novellas. And that I don't know if I'm going to do under my own name or if I'm going to start a pen name, depending on the hit level. I think it might actually be YA, so I might do it under my name. But if I do anything... So The Leftover Bride is already hit level. It's a mix. I I want it to be a mix between (laughs) Sally Thorne meets Nora Roberts, except I write in the first person, meets Tessa Bailey. (laughs) Does that work? (laughs) Can it be my tagline? Have I mentioned I'm exhausted? But yeah, so I have have plans for my next novels. And my plan is also to, of course, continue this podcast and to update you as I'm planning, plotting, advertising, trying different things in terms of advertising. I did a TikTok video today, which did not take me very long at all because <laughs> ABBA is planning to release a new album and the the song Mamma Mia, part of it actually goes very well for second chance romances, as you're probably fully aware. So I, I used some of that and I um, shot pages of the manuscript where Ryan Sawyer comes back into town and published that on TikTok, published that on Instagram. And then I will try to do more of that. I mean, now that the final, I was about to say final, I'm not going to sing. Now that the manuscript is pretty much ready and I'm I'm done with this book almost, because again, I need to format it, finish formatting it and putting it online. I'm going to be able to reorganize my time, right? So I, I need to figure out how to best plan my time so that I can publish those two books next year and see what I do with the novellas. Because another thing that I need to keep in mind is that when it comes to income, when it comes to earnings and crossing my fingers, the leftover bride takes off and starts some sort of photoing for the, for the rest of the series so that I have more pre-order um, as it goes for the next books. But what really, in terms of writing, what really is earning for me is the bilingual books. And so I need to also make sure that I set aside time to A, format more books because I have a few languages that I still need to format. And then B, also have maybe more novellas that I can turn into bilingual books. And if I do this paranormal romance type of novellas, I would probably do it in 
a Kindle Unlimited, that's what I'm thinking, or maybe not. I have not decided that, but I could plot it so that it is... So those are YA novellas, which works great for my bilingual books, and do it so that it's maybe three novellas for like a whole story. So I would, of course, publish them in English, but in English for those ones, I would not, at this stage spend money on advertising, which is why I was thinking I would put them in Kindle Unlimited and use the free um, Kindle Unlimited days and try with that, like doing, you know, book funnel promos and that type of things. But then I would commission the translation and I would publish them also in different languages and do them as bilingual books. And I would, in terms of languages, I would do French and German, because the English German books are the ones that um, bring me the most revenue right now. So yeah, that's that's the plan. This might change. I will update you tomorrow. I will not delete this update from Wednesday, September 8th, and I will make sure to, <laughs> to not delete it. Um, I should have looked at the date. I was tired on that day too. It's been, it's been, uh, it's been a week or two weeks or a month. And that's another thing I need to do. And I don't know if a lot of author writers do that. It's, I need to write down exactly the amount of hours I'm spending with everything just so that I can calculate a little bit in terms of income how that how everything works and I'm not saying like some books still earn me um, some income years later so it's hard to you know put down a a salary like per hour but as much as I love writing and I do and I'm not planning on stopping and I'm, I'm going to publish those two novels next year I also need to make sure that I I focus on this is my career, this is my income. I currently do not have any other jobs and this is something that I I need to make sure to focus on. And that's why the bilingual books, I need to make sure that I I set some times aside now that The Leftover Bride is is done and is ready to go. I need to make sure that I I cater to my readers who also read the bilingual bilingual novels. And of course, don't hesitate to spread the word about The Leftover Bride. Once you've read it, review it, share it with the world. Um, you know, it's uh, I think it's a pretty amazing book, if I may say so myself, which I just did. <laughs> and I have so many things I haven't talked about yet either. I wanted to congratulate so many authors, there has been a lot of um, happy news for a lot of people that I know and that I'm so happy for. And I haven't yet. Um, I need to, one thing that I also need to do is I need to make sure I am somewhat cleaning around to help the clutter of my brain and um, make dinner. That's something I probably should make, I should do as well. You should see and I'm rambling right now, but you should see the cat and the dog. They're both sleeping next to me. Very adorable. And this is now 7.33 p.m. on September 9th. I have finished my book. Kind of almost ready, I did, but 
still maybe something will change tomorrow, who knows, something small. So this is the jitters right before publication. I did send DE arcs to some of my readers who had asked for early advanced review copies. So I did that. My husband in the, is in the back and he's quiet as a mouse for some reason. Even though he knows I'm recording, I'm actually surprised by this. So what I'm going to be doing is I will add the bonus episode that I recorded for Tuesday, which was me reading the article that I've I've written for the Elman Foundation. I will add this at like right now, which is the end of the episode of today, just um, in case you missed it, in case you want to listen to it. So yeah, just keep on listening for that article. And if you do stop listening here, then happy writing if you're a writer and happy readers, to, happy reading to everybody. And if you keep on listening to listen to that article, then I will say that again at the end of that. <laughs> All right. Hello, so this episode is a bonus episode. It's a bit different because I am about to read an article that I wrote for the Allman Foundation. I decided to read that article out loud because I don't know who might need it. And this month, it's September, it's Blood Cancer Awareness Month. And if you have been a listener of this podcast, or if you know me personally, you know that I'm currently in remission from Hodgkin's lymphoma and that I had several many treatments to get to that point, including a stem cell transplant, which I had in October 2019, so almost two years ago, which was then followed by more treatment, um, maintenance immunotherapy until spring 2020. So as per their website, the Allman Foundation's mission is the following we change lives by creating a community of support for young adults and their loved ones impacted by cancer. And so this is the article that I've written, which is called Because Sometimes You Just Need to Ask About a Dog. I'd like to thank my husband as well as Addison, Katie and Sam for reading the article before I submitted it to Katie from the Allman Foundation. And um, yeah, for giving me feedback. So here we go. The title is Because Sometimes You Just Need to Ask About a Dog. I'm an author. I used to work as a communications officer and as an adjunct professor. Finding words is what I do. Finding words to explain or teach or tell a story. Finding words to clarify information or to show how language works or to create emotions in readers. And yet, when I got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in October 2017, words failed me. How do you tell people you have cancer? I had no clue and was worried about what they would say in return or not say. It took me months to share the diagnosis with people outside of my very close circle. I didn't have the words. I had turned 36 a few months before diagnosis. For nearly a year, I had been told that my back pain was due to bad posture and weak muscles. The incessant itching on my legs and arms was due to dermatitis. And the sharp pain I felt when having only one sip of alcohol didn't mean anything, despite me mentioning I had read it could be a rare and early sign of Hodgkin's lymphoma. For nearly a year, my symptoms were ignored. When the half-garden tumor started pushing out of my chest, my world imploded. Everything moved lightning fast and way too slow. 
blood tests, x-ray, CT scan, calling every day to get an appointment for a biopsy as quickly as possible until a surgeon looked at my scan and moved the appointment up. I still remember him explaining I should sleep propped up to make sure I could breathe. Once the biopsy results showed Hodgkin's lymphoma, I was admitted into the hospital. More scans and a bone marrow biopsy later, I could write an entire article about that experience, I had my first treatment and an allergic reaction to the anti-nausea medication. From the beginning, my voice wasn't heard. My words didn't matter. I had to quit my job, our support system was spread around the world, and I was scared. There's no manual on how to be a cancer patient. Yet, I tried so hard to be a good one. I didn't want to be a burden, and there's this pressure, imagine or not, on the need to be positive. So, when the neuropathy and disease spells made it harder to walk, I told myself I should be more optimistic. When I started to lose my hair, I thought I should see the bright side. When I was crumbling, I berated myself for not smiling more. The words I could have used to express the emotions rushing through me were hiding under a pile of should. And then my questions and worries about certain decisions weren't seriously considered, adding to the stress of it all. I spent hours researching, reading established medical journals, becoming as informed as I could so that I could feel like a part of my care. More often than not, my concerns were dismissed, resulting in excruciating pain and terrifying moments. That is, until the interim PET scan. That scan wasn't as good as expected. That scan made me interesting, according to one of the doctors. I don't have the words to describe my feelings then. In the meantime, I wondered what to tell people. Readers who inquired about my next book, students and colleagues who reached out, friends who wondered why I wasn't posting as often on social media. I was waiting for good news to share. Instead, I finally shared what we had been going through as I still had issues breathing and as we were engaging in the process of seeking a second and third opinion. After those opinions, we decided to change care. And I say we because my husband is and has been there with me every step of the way. Changing care was a difficult decision to make. Changing care was the best decision for me. Changing care gave us hope. I could write novels about that decision. I am grateful to my entire team at the University of Maryland Marlin and Stuart Greenbaum Comprehensive Cancer Center for giving us that hope. My oncologist, the whole nursing team, the survivorship navigator and my therapist who helped me find ways to deal with my anxiety, understand it's okay to not be okay, and gave me the tools I needed to enjoy the moments I could enjoy more fully. My therapist helped me find my words again. At the University of Maryland, I finally felt like a part of the team and didn't have to worry about my words not being heard. At the University of Maryland, we found out about the Allman Foundation and met Megan Solinger, one of Allman's patient navigators. Treatment days can be a roller coaster of emotions and physically challenging, even if everyone does everything to make treatments go as smoothly as possible. The nurses in the infusion center were supportive and present and excellent. 
Like them, Megan from the Allman Foundation was there at every treatment, making us smile. Seeing Megan felt like a window to the outside world, within the hospital. A moment of normalcy when you no longer know what normal is. Even with the Benadryl making me woozy and with some treatment days better than others, both my husband and I looked forward to seeing Megan. Every single time, we asked about Megan's dog. She told us about Frankie's role as a comfort dog for the shock trauma medical team, told us and showed us pictures of him on the paddleboard. We showed her pictures of our beagle. Through each treatment, we spent at least 10 minutes feeling like cancer did not define us. And I know it doesn't. Even hooked up to the IV with drugs dripping into my veins, cancer did not define all of me. But during those days especially, it was harder to remember. With Megan, which has got to be Alex and Elodie, just us, laughing. She offered us a respite in the infusion room where we could talk about treatment, biopsies or scans, but we didn't have to. We were not forgetting about what was happening, but I did not feel like I had to put on a brave face or be careful about my words. We could talk about our dogs. I asked my husband to tell me a few words about what those moments meant for him as a caregiver. He said, during that time, Megan being there was a distraction from the treatments that made me feel less alone as a caregiver. When I needed radiation, Megan came to see me in the waiting area. When I went through an autologous stem cell transplant, one of the trainees from Ullman came to visit and mentioned Megan was doing Ullman's key-to-keys back ride. When I went home after the transplant, she kept in touch via email. And I never had to worry about my words. Megan and the Allman Foundation felt like an integral part of our team. And Megan's dog too. Because sometimes, you just need to ask about a dog. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more information about the Allman Foundation, you can go on www.allmanfoundation.org. And if you want to find out about more about blood cancer, because every 180 seconds someone is diagnosed with a blood cancer, you can go to www.lls.org. And to the writers out there, happy writing. And to everybody, happy reading.